Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, guests and visitors. And welcome to this wonderful Thanksgiving Day. We gather together today to give thanks to the Lord for His abundant grace, for the many blessings that He daily pours out upon us. I wish all of you a blessed Thanksgiving. And may you and your family and friends as you gather today, may you gather together in unity, thanking the Lord for His goodness uh, to all of us. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 34, verses 8 to 10. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, three different sections of Colossians. We're going to be reading from Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, and Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. First, Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now over to Colossians three twelve through 17. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And last, let's turn to Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time, that your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. All of us uh, 
make plans. We have dreams, things we want to achieve, places we want to see, relationships we want to develop. But I think all of us know that things don't always go the way that we want them to. Relationships break up. Our grades aren't good enough to get us what we desire. We don't have enough money to achieve that goal. Our business or ministry fails. We run out of time or we're now too old or too sick to do what we wanted to do. We're tempted to give up, to grumble, to complain because our plans didn't work out the way that we wanted them to. Well, I'm sure that Paul had dreams too. I'm sure he had had plans as well. He wished to spread the gospel around the world. And no doubt as he planned, he knew that things weren't going to go exactly the way that he wanted. That there would be opposition. But I doubt... I doubt that he knew exactly what he was going to face. I doubt he knew the level of opposition, the level of hardship that he was going to face. And we know Paul faced considerable hardship. He faced opposition and persecution. He worked an impossible number of hours. He was in prison numerous times, was beaten with whips and rods, even to the point of death. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He he went on dangerous journeys. He was robbed, constantly going through difficulties. He was often hungry, thirsty, sleep-deprived, and exposed to the elements. Imagine living Paul's life. I treasure his ministry and his writings. I desire to be as near to Christ as, as Paul was, but I don't envy Paul's life. Yet as we read through his letters, as Luke records his life in in Acts, we don't find here a miserable and a hopeless man. Yes, he does express his desire to be free from prison. He does express his desire to have companionship and and to get a few of his possessions that he's he's left behind. Wherever we go in Paul's epistles, we find a man who is filled with thankfulness. A man who is filled with gratefulness and graciousness. And we see this also displayed in the book of Colossians. Here Paul, when writing this letter, is imprisoned in Rome. He's he's facing possible death. Yet, as we read through his letter to the Colossians, we see him expressing much thankfulness and joy. And Paul is writing to the Colossians. He's, He's learned much. He's experienced much. 
His life, his joy has become centered only in the Lord. And he's writing to the Colossians wishing that they would be as him. That they would be living for the Lord Jesus Christ. That they too would be filled with thankfulness while growing in faith towards their Savior. You know, we look at Paul and we... Must admit, he's a hero of the faith. He's a, a great man, but he's not a great man because of what, of who he is in himself. He too knows that his joy and devotion is not the natural product of his heart, but it's it's all due to the Lord's work in his heart. Paul can take no credit for his perseverance. He can take no credit for his godliness. It's all due to his great Savior. And so Paul wants the Colossians. He wants them to be thankful. He wants them to be grateful. He wants them to have their eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. To know Jesus. And to live lives of thankfulness for, for all that the Lord has done in their lives. And as we look through the book of Colossians, we, we see thankfulness emphasized several times. Paul himself gives thanks to the Lord in chapter 1 verse 3. And also in 1 verse 12, he gives, th- he gives thanks for salvation. In chapter 2 verse 7, 3 verse 17, and chapter 4 verse 2, he urges the Colossians to abound in thanksgiving, to live lives of thankfulness to the Lord because of all that the Lord has done. And on this Thanksgiving, I'd like to focus on Unthankfulness, on how true thankfulness is essential for spiritual growth. And I'd, I'd like to take a look back over the book of Colossians and reflect upon the many blessings that both they received and the blessings that we received and how receiving these blessings by faith should initiate in all of us a spirit of thanksgiving to the Lord. And so our message this morning is titled, Spiritual Growth Through Thanksgiving. And our first point is thanksgiving for revelation. Our second point is thanksgiving for Christ. And our third point is thanksgiving for new life. Paul urges the Colossians to abound in thanksgiving, to offer up prayers of thanksgiving, He wishes them to reflect upon how the Lord has has blessed them and to express their thankfulness in prayer. The Colossians are going through difficult times. As you know, they're battling to remain faithful as they're being oppressed by false teachers. But they're also living in uncertain times. They're a minority. A tiny, tiny percentage of the population are Christians. And the world around them doesn't necessarily like them. The Romans suspect them of being associated with radical Jews. The Jews regard them as a heretical sect and despise them. The Gentiles scorn them and think they are ignorant fools. 
They are despised and rejected by society at large with little hope for a future, for a prosperous future in the world. But Paul reminds them in this letter, he reminds them that they have much to be thankful for. And even he himself gives thanks that the Colossians have received the gospel and that they've embraced it by faith. And indeed, the Colossians do have much to be thankful for, for they have received the word of God. They who were once alienated and enemies of the Lord have now heard through the witness of Epaphras the precious truth of God. If you remember from the, from the beginning of our series on Colossians, Epaphras heard Paul speak. He heard Paul speak in Ephesus and he brought the good news home with him to Colossae. And through him, the Lord revealed himself to the Colossians. These Colossians were living in the confusing world of Greek philosophy, Roman polytheism, Jewish legalism, and tribal paganism. They were living in a mostly Gentile world. And then the gospel is brought to them. Then they're given the truth. They were now given a foundation upon which they could depend and trust the living word of God. The gospel was now brought to them and they could now rest in it. Their formerly dark minds and hearts could now rest because they have found deliverance in Christ. They found deliverance in his gospel. They've been made alive by the Holy Spirit and experienced the love of God, knowing that a sure hope was laid up for them in heaven. They had much to be thankful for. We recently had the youth group over and we watched a documentary about MAF or Mission aviation fellowship and the work that they were doing particularly in uh, Papua Indonesia and in this video there was this one distant village that was very isolated they were about a three days journey from a walking journey from the nearest village it was very difficult for pastors and teachers to get there to to teach them the gospel and <clears throat> These villagers were excited. They really wanted to hear the gospel. They wanted to hear it more, more frequently on a regular basis. And so what they started doing is they started building an airstrip. They were so eager to be under the teaching of God that they, they took their hand tools and started to construct an airstrip in the mountains. And it took a long time. It took many years to complete. But finally, and the video shows this, finally the first airplane comes in to land and lands in their village. And what struck me as I, I watched this video, and, and many of you young people watch it as well, is, is how thankful they were. They were dancing and rejoicing. Rejoicing because here came the word of God. Here 
The, God was revealing himself to these people. They were singing and dancing and rejoicing when this first plane landed in their village. It was amazing to see the gratitude and the joy they had at being able to regularly receive the word of God. And this shows us what a privilege it is. What a privilege we have. What a reason for thanksgiving it is for us to to regularly hear the word of God. What a privilege for God to come to the town of Colossae and reveal himself. How amazing is it that he goes to a little isolated village in Papua and tells them who he is and brings the gospel to them. And how amazing is it that he comes into our homes and, and our, our churches here in Grand Rapids and he tells us who he is. He tells us what his plan of salvation is. We have great reason to be thankful. We have reason to rejoice this Thanksgiving because the Lord has given us good news. The greatest news ever. He has stooped to our level. The great and almighty God of all creation has come down to us and used our simple words to tell us about himself. He's even put the gospel in our English language. He has told us who he is, who we are, and how we can be saved from our sin. And he's persistent in telling us. What a blessing to receive this good news even once. But the Lord permeates our lives with his amazing news. He sends us ministers, elders, teachers, fathers, mothers, mentors, and friends who who daily make known to us what Paul says here in Colossians, the mystery hidden for generations, which is the gospel. And on top of that, we have books, online sermons, podcasts, and multiple other resources, all of which reminds us and tells us the gospel and the privilege, the great privilege we have in possessing it. It's so easy for us to forget how blessed we are. It's so easy for us to think it's normal to hear the gospel it's normal to hear the word of god there are 8 billion people in the world only about 800 million to a billion are protestant according to these numbers at least 7 billion people in the world have never heard or hear little of the gospel We are a privileged few, a privileged few who hear the truth, a privileged few who have a solid foundation of truth and hope to stand upon. We have a God who tells us the truth. We need not be confused 
by the numerous narratives and opinions that our postmodern world offers us. We do not need to find the religion. We do not need to find the worldview or identity that we like the best, that we feel best suits us. The confusion that our society is exhibiting need not be our confusion, for the Lord has given us his word. He has told us the truth. He's told us the truth about himself. He's told us the truth about the world, the truth about who we are. He's told us the wonderful truth of the gospel. There's an ancient allegory told by the Greek philosopher Plato. Now, Plato wasn't a Christian, but... This allegory can be reframed to teach us great truth about God's revelation. I'm sure some of you have have heard of this, and I'm going to give a simplified version of it. In this allegory, there are a number of people inside a cave, and they're looking at the walls inside the cave, and they're trying to figure out by what they see on the walls what is happening outside of the cave. They can't see the outside world, but they see The shadows of that world projected on the walls inside the cave. And they can begin to describe, by looking at these shadows, the truth of the outside world. They gain a very limited and distorted knowledge of it through these shadows that they see. But in reality, they don't have a complete picture. They have no idea about the truth, the reality of the world. But if someone who was from outside the cave came and told them the truth, then they would know the truth also. And this is what the Lord does for us. This is what the Lord did for the Colossians. This is what the Lord does wherever he brings his word. He comes into our cave. He comes into our darkness, into our confusion and ignorance, into our fabricated narratives. And he gives us the truth of existence. His, ours, and the universe's. This alone is reason for endless Thanksgiving days. But we know the Lord's goodness and graciousness doesn't just end with his revelation. For not only does he tell us the truth, not only does he tell us that he's a holy and just God and that we're guilty and condemned in our sin, not only does he tell us about a way of escape, but he provides this escape. He provides this solution for our condition. He comes himself, the Son of God, into the world for us. And Paul masterfully tells the Colossians. He masterfully tells them about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says of them, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. 
and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Epaphras introduced the gospel in Christ, but Paul continues to tell the Colossians about him here in this epistle. And as we have just read, he tells them that he is almighty God, that he is better and more powerful than the Greek and Roman gods, that he is in the inventor of all creation, the one who, who speaks spirit, law, and material into existence. And as Almighty God, he became man and made peace through the blood of his cross. Reconciling enemy sinners to himself by his death. Presenting them unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. There was no hope for the Colossians. Even knowing the truth, even knowing the glory and majesty of God, knowing their sin and corruption. But they found hope. They found the solution. Because now they have Christ, the hope and Savior of the world, the God-man who makes everything right. What a hope the Colossians gained. A certain hope for, for redemption and peace. Not the impossible task of gaining the favor of gods through man-made regulations and ceremonies. Not the impossible task of finding redemption and peace through the pursuit of pleasure and accomplishments. But they now have Christ. The source of true pleasure. The only source of redemption and peace. They have Christ. And he has accomplished salvation for them. He has forgiven their sins. He has given his righteousness to them. And they have been redeemed. And therefore what a hope we have. What a glorious reason for thanksgiving. Dear believer, Christ has reconciled you to God. He has poured out His blood on the cross for you. Your sins are cast as far away as the east is from the west. And as Colossians says, we are buried with Him in baptism. We are risen with Him through faith. We who were dead in our sins in the uncircumcision of our flesh, He has made us alive with Him. And forgiven all our sins, nailing it to his cross. The world tells us to find redemption in other ways. The world tells us to find reconciliation by finding ourselves. By discovering who we really are and then indulging in it and even compelling others to celebrate it. Our sinful hearts tell us to be all that we can be. Finding peace by accomplishing our selfish dreams and, and pleasures. Our corrupt nature tells us that we find 
reconciliation by conforming to our religious traditions, making vain attempts to please God through vain sacrifice and repetitive prayer. But we have Jesus Christ who is our only hope. He is the one that saves and gives peace to sinners. He gives lasting hope. He gives hope that doesn't fade. Hope that is certain. And hope that is fully realized when He appears on the clouds. The hope that our world offers is not hope. It appears that way to our corrupt and deceived minds. But what the world offers only leads to bondage. It only leads to despair. It is only the Lord Jesus Christ that brings us freedom, joy, and peace. And He gives This hope, he gives this freedom, joy, and peace, not based upon our obedience to impossible obligations, not based upon a legalistic piety, but based alone upon his merit and grace. How blessed we are to be sitting here today. The Lord coming again to us, How blessed we are that the Lord Jesus Christ was born as us. That he accomplished everything for us. That he gave his life for us. This is indeed reason for thanksgiving. Reason for an eternity of thanksgiving days. The infinite God of the universe became man and he gave himself for a tiny wretched sinner like you and me. To think that he thought of you from all eternity. To think that he, he thought of me when he hung on the cross. To think that he thought of, of you when he resurrected and he's thinking of you right now. It's unbelievable. And here he stoops to our level again today. Telling us again who he is. Telling us what he's done. He comes to you, dear Christian. Telling you to direct your eyes to him again. Filling your hearts with thanksgiving and praise to him. And again, on this Thanksgiving day, he's inviting you Dear sinner, you have, who have ignored his call so often, though you have been the recipient of his revelation, though you have turned a deaf ear to the free offer of the gospel so many times, though you have appeased your conscience through adherence to religious duty, the Lord comes again to you and he offers himself. The king of the universe comes to you, sinner, calling you to turn to him. To throw yourself at his feet, begging for mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Knowing 
But he's ever merciful. And will give what he promises. The Lord who calls you to faith. The Lord who calls you to believe. He's not a tyrant. But he's a gracious God. Who delights in mercy. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for sinners just like you. He offers you peace. He offers you pardon. He offers you everlasting life. So please, on this Thanksgiving Day, do not spurn this offer. Do not turn this king away. This is the greatest offer you will ever receive. So don't delay. Don't follow your heart, but turn and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that this Thanksgiving Day, dear unconverted friend, becomes the first true Thanksgiving Day for you, where you truly give thanks to the Lord for His unspeakable goodness, that this will be the Thanksgiving Day that you forever remember as the day when the Lord stopped you, the day when the Lord saved you. Our Lord is so good. He's so kind. He's so merciful. He not only reveals himself to us through his word. He not only gave himself for us and pardons our sins. But he gives us new life. He gives us new life in Christ. A new life in us that produces thankfulness in our hearts. Thankfulness to the Lord for for everything. For all that he has done. Paul tells the Colossians, he says to them, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. And as ye have been taught, abound therein with thanksgiving. He tells them to become established in the faith, to become more and more rooted in in Christ and to abound with thanksgiving. Paul, what he does here, he is he's making a connection between spiritual growth and thanksgiving. Because we have received new life in Christ, our hearts are lifted up with thanks to the Lord and we want to know him more. We want to please him. We want to be like him. We do have an obligation today and every day to be thankful to the Lord. But for the Christian, for the believer, for the person who loves the Lord, this thankfulness isn't a burden, but it's a privilege and a delight. There is no better life to live than one lived in thankfulness to the Lord Paul urges the Colossians to pursue this life. He urges them to grow in grace and thanksgiving. He tells them that they have a new identity, that they've put on the new man, that their old nature is not really who they are anymore. He tells them they have become one with Christ, that they've been buried with him in baptism, risen with him from death, that they are now hid in Christ. 
And they are part of his body and are safe in him. And so he urges them on to greater godliness. Not only in, not only in this, their moral obligation, but it's also the default operation of their new heart. They have been changed by the Holy Spirit and therefore they must go forward out of thankfulness to mortify the flesh, to put on love, to put on peace. And he tells them, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Paul wishes that Thankfulness will be the motivation that urges the Colossians on, that urges them on in holiness, to loving God, to loving their neighbor, to being humble and merciful, to serving one another, so that they would walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. And like the Colossians, many of us have received new life. We have been born again. We have been given a new identity. And as we reflect upon our lives, we reflect on our regrets. We have things that we wish we could change, that we have things that we wish we could do over. As we mourn our past sins and fight against our present ones, our Lord comes and tells you, dear believer, that you are forgiven. But not only this, but that you are a new person, that you have a new life and a new identity. Christ has saved you from your sin. You are now free. You are a child of the highest. You are hid in Jesus Christ and now are called to be like him. You are called to seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. You are called to set your affection on things above, to put off the old man and to put on the new man. You are called as the holy and beloved Of God to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and patience. And as we read through these lists, these lists that Paul has in Colossians. These lists might seem like an obligation. But it really ought to be our delight. Living a life of thankfulness, living a godly life, living a sanctified life, this should be the desire and the delight of every Christian. Because it's pleasant to live this life. It's pleasant to live a grateful life to the Lord. It's a Christian's heart is filled with thanksgiving as They begin to live this life. Thanksgiving motivates them to live this life. Because their eyes have been opened to see the mercies that the Lord gives them each day. They know that the Lord holds them in his hands and he has a place for them in his kingdom. They see the darkness of their former life in comparison with their new life. And they rejoice because of the undeserved mercy that they have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so therefore sanctification isn't a burden for them. Living a life of gratitude to the Lord rather is a great joy for the Christian. Yes, it's hard putting off the old man. Putting off the old man is not easy. But it's worth it. And to live this life, yes, it has a cost. Look at Paul. He's writing to the Colossians about thankfulness. But he's imprisoned in Rome. He's in chains. He's facing execution. Yet he is thankful and joyful. Even thankful for the suffering. That the Lord has given. It's easy for us to rejoice. It's easy for us to be thankful when everything is going right. But it's really hard to be thankful during suffering. It's really hard to take up our cross joyfully and follow Jesus, even unto death. And here in our congregation, we, we have an abundance of crosses. Many of us have serious health concerns. Some life-threatening. Others of us are in deep mourning. And alone because of the, the death of a spouse or close relative. We have marriage problems. Wayward children. Financial difficulties. And who knows how many of you have heavy crosses that you bear in secret. Can we be thankful in our suffering, can we even be thankful for our suffering? Paul tells us, in everything, give thanks. Paul rejoices in his suffering. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. And yes, we do believe that all things work together for good to them that love God. And if we do believe this, then we should also be giving God thanks for the crosses he places upon us. Even those crosses that seem too heavy for us to bear. Now this doesn't mean that we shouldn't grieve or mourn. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't be devastated when disaster strikes. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't mourn the death of a loved one or lament and weep when we're diagnosed with a serious disease. This doesn't mean that we should be a stoic when our plans don't work out. We lose our job or we lose our house in a fire. But we can have hope in the middle of of suffering. And we can know that even if we die, He is in control and He is doing all things for good. We may weep, we may grieve, we may lament, yet as Christians we can rejoice in our Savior because even though we don't like what we're going through, we know that we are safe in His arms. 
God. He will never let you go. He will never abandon you. And one day he will bring you to be with him. Therefore, in the midst of suffering, while waves of sadness wash over you, you can by faith even give thanks to the Lord for the suffering in your life. Because we know that he's using this. He's using this in your life. He's using this in my life to conform us to his image. He's using the effects of sin for good. He's making us more like him. He's preparing us for the day when we will be with him. He's making us to be more like him, even in the fact that we are suffering like he did. We can look to Jesus, our Savior, who gave himself for us, giving thanks for his suffering, and thus counting it also an honor to suffer for his sake. Our Lord does all things well. God is good all the time. And on this Thanksgiving, we have an abundance of reasons to be thankful. For the Lord has abundantly blessed all of us. Not only have our basic needs been met, but the Lord has given us spiritual and material blessings far above what we deserve. He has blessed us here in unbelievable ways. And as we meditate on reasons to be thankful today, I urge you to spend more time than just a few moments thinking of reasons to be thankful. Perhaps meditate on the blessing of God revealing himself to you. He didn't need to, but because of his mercy, he chose to. Perhaps contemplate the blessings of a new life and your new identity in Christ. Or, or think of the blessedness of, of living a godly life. What a privilege it is to be called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to love him, to serve him. If you are despondent, mourning, or suffering today, take time. To contemplate the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about what he went through. Think about what he did for you. Believing by faith that he will give you grace to endure. This is a fact. He will carry you as you suffer for his sake. The thankful Christian life is worth living. And so let us together on this day praise the Lord for his abundant goodness. Let's give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Faithful and good God in heaven. Lord, we thank thee for thy abundant mercy we thank thee for thy abundant grace that thou dost pour out upon us and we pray lord 
again, for those here who, who don't know Thee, who are strangers to Christ, we pray today that Thou would work in their hearts, calling them to, to true faith, calling them to believe in Thee, to live, calling them to live life, to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, keep us from sin today. Bless our time together with our our family and friends. And give us truly thankful hearts all of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.